Section 2 of Lives of the Ancient Philosophers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Ancient Philosophers by Francois Fenelon. Life of Fenelon, Part 2 so implicitly did this admirable prelate bow before the reproof of him whom he acknowledged as the head of the church reading it himself in his diocese along with his own recantation that his enemies would willingly have spread the idea that his acknowledgment of error was too prompt to be sincere but the general tenor of his character made it far more improbable that it should be otherwise the dislike of Louis the Fourteenth towards Fenelon was greatly increased by the publication of the celebrated romance of Telemachus, written by the archbishop expressly for the instruction of the Duke of Burgundy. The pure morality of this work, the beauty of its descriptions, the tenderness of its sentiments, joined to its high tone of feeling, gave it an irresistible charm in the eyes of all impartial judges and its merits were universally acknowledged by being translated into every language in europe but to the court it presented a very different picture they saw in it only a satire on their royal master and themselves calypso was supposed to be the marchioness de montespan eucharist Mademoiselle de Fontange, Telemachus, the Duke of Burgundy, Mentor, the Duke of Beauvilliers, Antiope, the Duchess of Burgundy, Protesilos, Louvois, Idomeneus, our King James the Second, and Sesostris, Louis the Fourteenth. Hence, fresh indignities were shown to Fenelon and stabs were aimed at him in every part where he was thought most vulnerable but with respect to injuries that affected himself alone he might indeed be said to bear a charmed life and long after he had felt the full measure of the haughty bourbon's unrelenting hate he put an apology for the faults of kings into the mouth of mentor which appeared in a subsequent edition of telemachus to follow Fenelon into what the world might term retirement, and deem synonymous with disgrace, is to follow him into the field of his most sacred duties, and the scene of his purest happiness. When he acquiesced in his nomination to the Archbishopric of Cambrai, it was on the express condition that he should be allowed to reside nine months out of twelve in his diocese the permission therefore to remain there constantly however ungracious the form in which it might be conveyed was not in itself likely to be unpleasing to him how much more fortunate would have been our lot he had said to bossuet in one of his replies to his venerable and powerful antagonist if instead of thus consuming our time in interminable disputes we had been employed in our diocese in teaching the catechism and instructing the villager to fear god and bless his holy name fully did he prove the sincerity with which this was expressed by the zeal with which he acted up to it 
for fifteen years he lived in his diocese the blessing of all who came within his influence he rose early spent the first part of the morning in devotion and the remainder of it he gave to the spiritual instruction of those who came before him at noon he dined his table was spread with an elegance and plenty suitable to his rank but his own diet was spare and simple he said grace himself both before and after dinner with seriousness but without affectation his tried friend the virtuous and faithful abbe de chanteral a relation with whom he had long lived in the closest habits of friendship and to whom he had entrusted the advocating of his cause at home was invariably seated at his right hand he admitted all his chaplains to his table and on all occasions treated them with that respect himself which he wished to see them receive from others the discourse during dinner was general and strangers were struck with its ease and politeness no person says the duke de saint-simon ever possessed in a higher degree than fenelon the happy talent of easy light and ever decent conversation it was perfectly enchanting his mild uniform piety troubled no one and was respected by all no one felt his superiority he placed every one on the same level with himself those who left him for a moment were impatient to return to him after dinner the company retired to a large apartment where they continued the conversation for about an hour whilst fenelon occasionally signed papers that required dispatch or gave directions to his chaplains on the affairs of his diocese he then retired to himself until nine o'clock when he supped at ten the whole of his household assembled one of his chaplains said prayers for the night when they were concluded the archbishop rose and gave his general blessing to the assembly and this solemn rite closed a day of virtuous occupation and rational enjoyment the only recreation fenelon ever allowed himself was walking in his garden or in the country amidst the beauties of nature he found his mind refreshed after the toils of business or of study and his piety invigorated the country says he in one of his letters delights me in the midst of it i find the holy peace of god oh what excellent company is god with him one is never alone in these walks he often joined the peasants sat down on the grass with them talked to them comforted them went into their cottages placed himself at table with their families and partook of their meals the laboring peasantry were at all times the objects of his tenderest regard his palace at cambray with all his books and writings being consumed by fire he bore the misfortune with unruffled calmness and said it was better that his palace should be burnt to the ground than the cottage of a poor peasant a curate complained once to him that his parishioners notwithstanding his remonstrances would dance on sunday evenings after the service was over as is the custom in catholic countries 
my dear friend replied fenelon neither you nor i should dance but let us leave these poor people to dance as they please their hours of happiness are not too numerous at the time that cambray was often ravaged by advancing and retreating armies during the contest for the spanish succession he one evening met a young man in great affliction on account of the loss of a favorite cow which was moreover the sole support of his numerous family fenelon gave him money to purchase another but the poor fellow could not cease weeping for the cow which his wife had milked and his children loved and which he feared had fallen into the hands of the enemy fenelon spoke comfort to him and pursued his way but soon after parting with him he saw a cow which from the description he had received of it he knew to be the same that was so bitterly lamented and thinking only of the joy that the sight of it again would give to the disconsolate little circle to which it belonged he drove it back himself in a dark night to the young man's cottage this says the cardinal de maury is perhaps the finest trait in fenelon's life woe to those who read it without being affected no wonder that with such feelings and such actions fenelon should have been beloved as well as revered by the poor and that long after his death they should show the wooden chair on which he used to sit when he visited them and weep to think that they should see his face no more it was not only by his own people and his own countrymen that fenelon was thus esteemed the englishmen germans and dutch whilst their troops occupied cambray all rivalled the inhabitants in tokens of veneration for him he visited every part of his diocese in as much security as if it had been at perfect rest all distinctions of religion and sect says m de bosset all feelings of hatred or jealousy which divide nations disappeared in his presence he was often obliged to have recourse to artifice to avoid the honors which the armies of the enemy intended him he refused the military escorts which were offered him for his personal security in the exercise of his functions and without any other attendance than a few ecclesiastics he traversed the countries desolated by war his way was marked by his alms and benefactions and by the suspension of the calamities which armies bring in these short visits the people breathed in peace so that his pastoral visits might be termed the truce of god the afflictions inseparable from war called forth the exercise of all fenelon's noblest qualities charity says the duke de saint-simon was among his most striking virtues it embraced equally the rich and the poor his friends and his enemies he found frequent call for the exertion of it in the crowds of sick and wounded who during the wars in flanders were carried in great numbers to cambray he regularly visited the hospitals paid the utmost attention to the subaltern officers and lodged a considerable number of the principal officers when they were ill in his own palace like a true shepherd of christ 
he watched continually over their spiritual welfare the polished manners which he derived from his habits of high life won them to him and they never had reason to repent of the confidence they reposed in him in sickness or in health they always found him willing to listen to their humble confessions and anxious to replace them in the path of virtue if the lowest person in the hospital requested his attendance fenelon never refused to go to him the corporeal necessities of the soldiers were equally an object of his compassionate zeal broths meat medicines comfortable food of every description and always of the best kind were sent them in well-regulated plenty from his palace and he presided at the consultations of the physicians with the tender solicitude of a warm and generous friend it is impossible to conceive how greatly he became the idol of the military and how versailles in spite of her stern master resounded with his name it happened that the commissariat was in extreme want of corn for the troops the archbishop emptied his granaries for their subsistence and refused any remuneration even louis himself on that occasion became his panegyrist his charity and polite attentions extended equally to the prisoners of war as to his countrymen in all he did there was an indescribable propriety the true episcopal character appeared in it and virtue herself became more beautiful from fenelon's manner of being virtuous to the war fenelon was indebted for the great gratification of seeing once more his beloved pupil the duke of burgundy louis the fourteenth gave in seventeen o two the command of the troops in flanders to that prince who petitioned him with so much earnestness to be allowed on his way to the army to see fenelon that the monarch ashamed perhaps of refusing a request so laudable in itself consented on the express condition that their interview should be in public the duke apprised his beloved preceptor of the permission in a letter that breathed the liveliest sentiments of gratitude and esteem the meeting took place at a public dinner at the town-house of cambray but the number of eyes that were fixed upon them the consciousness they felt that every word they uttered was liable to be repeated and perhaps misrepresented and the wearisome restraints to which the etiquette of a formal assembly subjected them rendered this interview of little effect excepting as far as the eloquence of looks and the sacred sympathy that exists between souls of kindred excellence drew them together the duke took care nevertheless to testify to all present the esteem in which he held the archbishop who when dinner was over presented him with a napkin to wipe his hands the duke received it and then returned it to him saying in a voice sufficiently elevated to be heard throughout the whole room i am sensible my lord archbishop what i owe to you and you know what i am this preceptor so valuable so independent this pupil so grateful and so docile never met again excepting once for a short time but their correspondence was a treasure of profound advice on one side 
and of willingness and aptness to profit by it on the other the april after this interview had taken place between fenelon and the duke of burgundy the death of the dauphin brought the duke forward as the immediate heir to the throne of france and the important situation in which he stood obliging him to make an effort and throw off the reserve in which he had before veiled his virtues and his acquirements the delighted nation saw in the graceful and engaging young man who was one day to rule over them the complete model of everything that could be desired in a sovereign it may easily be imagined that fenelon the acknowledged favorite of a prince so beloved soon experienced the different light in which he was now viewed at court he remained in his beloved retirement as usual but the voice of flattery pierced his retreat on all sides though it made no impression on his ear and his levy at cambray was crowded by the very courtiers who at versailles had been the first to abandon his interests unfortunately the duke of burgundy was not permitted to realize the lofty hopes his excellencies had inspired he died in seventeen twelve regretted by the whole kingdom but above all by fenelon who lost in him the dearest object of his earthly affections a loss however to which he submitted with such pious resignation that amidst the tears of anguish which it drew forth from the frailty of afflicted nature he exclaimed would only moving a straw restore him to life i would not do it as it is the divine pleasure that he should die the eyes of this lamented young prince were scarcely closed when his grandfather the king ordered his papers to be brought him and having examined them with great attention he burned them all with his own hands among them perished all the noble and disinterested effusions of fenelon to his pupil excepting one important production entitled directions for the conscience of a king which happening to be in the hands of the duc de beauvilliers escaped the flames its merits however rendered it criminal in the eyes of the court of versailles and it was not until the reign of louis the sixteenth that leave could be obtained for it to be printed at paris two years after the death of his beloved pupil fenelon himself expired at cambray of an inflammation of the chest in the sixty-fifth year of his age he died as he had lived full of humility and love lamented by all who had known him and exemplifying the mean he had always observed between prodigality and avarice by leaving behind him neither debts nor money the remembrance of his virtues was all he had to bequeath to his relatives and friends and the example of them had been so efficacious in his lifetime that all who bore his name or were admitted into intimacy with him were eminent for their good and honorable qualities in person fenelon was tall and graceful his eyes beamed with intense and holy radiance his countenance exhibited marks of severe study but was likewise distinguished by a peculiar delicacy of expression and correspondence of one feature with another 
like his manners it combined the most opposite traits of character but none of them contradicted the other he appeared alternately the doctor in divinity the bishop and the nobleman in conversation he was eloquent yet always natural full of wit with judgment to proportion it exactly in the degree in which it might be pleasing to the parties to whom it was addressed and possessing a singular talent of expressing intelligibly the most abstruse ideas as a preacher he was zealous to inform and patient to amend as a writer he charmed by the grandeur and delicacy of his sentiments the fertility of his genius the correctness of his taste and above all by his exquisite sensibility next to telemachus his principal work is his dialogues on eloquence in general and on that of the pulpit in particular his letters are likewise exquisitely touching and abound with profound and delicate observations his demonstrations of the existence of a god is fraught with piety and eloquence and his thoughts on the education of daughters is written with all the feeling which was so constituent a feature in his disposition and all the knowledge of the female character which his situation of confessor to a community of that sex had particularly enabled him to acquire his theological works are only partially interesting in the present day being chiefly his arguments in defence of quietism and his controversies with the jansenists but his dialogues of the dead and his abridgment of the lies of the ancient philosophers written as well as his telemachus expressly for the instruction of the duke of burgundy will always be regarded as lessons fraught with good sense and instruction in the most delightful form respecting the lives of the ancient philosophers as accompanying this memoir a few remarks may not be misplaced when it first made its appearance though under the modest title of an abridgment and indeed to be considered as a masterly sketch rather than a finished work it yet made the public acquainted in the most agreeable manner with a body of valuable information before accessible only to the learned in this respect time has no way lessened its worth many more elaborate works on the same subject have appeared but not one wherein such treasures of wisdom are offered in so concise a form every page is fraught with curious facts and valuable truths the philosophers of modern times can bring scarcely any observation into the field of morality but what has been made before them by the illustrious men whose lives are given in the ensuing pages and in seeking for our information at the fount of the ancients we have a chance at least of drinking from a spring unpolluted by envy or misrepresentation in offering therefore a new translation of fenelon's lives of the ancient philosophers to the public we seek only for that meed of approbation which is due to every one who in a reading age like the present endeavours to render productions which combine instruction and amusement accessible to all ranks of the community 
by presenting them in a form cheap, portable, and pleasing. End of section two. Recording by Linda Johnson.